almost said good evening. I was so prepared for last night. I kept them in this morning. How about you say this? Merry Christmas, church. All right, there we go. I got to tell you, that elf spaghetti is absolutely disgusting. I just, just, can I just throw that out there? When we watch that movie, every time I watch it, I see him just shoving all that. In. Has anybody seen that movie? Okay, if you haven't, maybe you should check it out. Because every time he throws that stuff in there, I just get sick to my stomach because it's been pretty gross stuff. It's a great to be back here with all of you celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas to all of you who are joining us online. And if you're a guest with us today, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church, man. We love the fact that you are hanging with us and celebrating with us. We hope that you feel welcome, that you feel wanted, that you come and hang with us again another Sunday as we as a church pursue this life, what it looks like to live for Jesus Christ. Uh, if we could go in this morning, open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, we're starting at verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. As you're opening your Bibles or your Bible apps, I want to recap of some of what we've walked through this series. Because Christmas is one of the greatest stories ever told. And right now, this time around the world, churches and people are picking up what I would call the good book. And they're opening it up and listening to it again. Reading again. And re-engaging with the word of truth. And hopefully relearning all the things maybe they forgot or learning more about God's promises for them. And for the past three weeks, we have been digging into this idea of Christmas. And it's my hope as we've done so is to peel back everything that the world has made Christmas to be that it wasn't meant to be according to this. And hopefully as you walk through this, we also start peeling back some of the things that we've made Christmas to be that it wasn't supposed to be according to his word. And as we dig into a little bit deeper, that we come understanding that we get this, like this is what Christmas is. This is what it was meant to be. And not only that we'll come to this understanding, that we'll get this idea and we'll embrace it for ourselves. Learn how to live it out every single day out of our lives and also proclaim the truth of what happened 2,000 years ago to all those who are around us. See, Christmas is a story of promise. God is, God is a man who keeps his word. He keeps his promises. If he says it, we can believe it. And he said he was going to send the one who would change everything for all humanity. And that's exactly what he did at Christmas. He sent the one. Christmas is also a story of peace. That God sent his son Jesus. He is the prince of peace. He, Jesus came to tame the chaos in the world and in our lives. Not how the world says. Not in peaceful circumstances we think when the world is telling us what, that's what it needs to be. But the, priest, the, the peace that Jesus offers. And that's found in a, in a foundational relationship, personal relationship with him. And as we bring this series to close, I want to share that Christmas is an absolute story of purpose. And as we walk through this conversation this morning, you're going to see that God is a God of purpose and he lives it out intentionally, not just for the story's sake, but not just for his sake, but for his creation's sake. And that's us. So if you have your Bibles open, you can follow along starting at verse 18 of Matthew chapter one, or if you don't, you can follow along on the screen as well. But look at this. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
Let's just stop there for a moment. I wanna, what I want to do right here is I want to start unpacking this. I want us to see this from their perspective. Because they were pledged to be married. They weren't married yet. It's kind of like of our engagement. Like we say, we put a ring in the finger and say, I want to marry you. Will you marry me? We're planning to get married. But it's in their culture, being pledged to be married, or their way they would say is being betrothed, was so much stronger in sense. That actually to break that engagement would be considered a divorce. And so this is so strong. And understanding where they're at for Mary to be pregnant, he, that's the reason it goes back. It says he was faithful to the law. He understands that she would be out, taken outside of the town and stoned to death. That's what they would do. He understood this, what it would mean for her and what it would mean for them. What about Mary? She was a young girl, a young woman who had found herself to be pregnant. How in the world would she explain this to her, her future husband? How in the world would she explain this to her parents or all those or neighbors who are around her? What in the world is happening? She's getting ready to marry the man of her dreams and everything in her dreams seemed to hit a wall. Well, then you look at Joseph. He put, just put the rock of commitment on Mary's hand saying that he wanted to be with her for the rest of her life. Mary, you're the one that makes my heart beat. Mary, you had me at hello. I'm glad you got that. Okay, so maybe it wasn't any of that. But I'm sure that he was excited to marry her. And this whole pregnancy thing was an interruption for their married lives. This whole pregnancy out of, out of, that came out of nowhere was an interruption to their planned future. Maybe it was an interruption for what they wanted. Maybe it was an interruption for what they didn't think was coming. Maybe it was just an interruption because it happened. And maybe it's how you walked in here today. Right now in your life, there are things going on. It's not how you have planned. You laid out this idea. You're going to go this direction. You're going to do this thing. And what seems to derail your dreams or derail your plans, you're looking at absolute interruptions. The pathway that you have put in place has been derailed. It forced you in a different direction. It made you make different decisions where you wanted to go, where you wanted to be. Maybe that's how you walked in here. You're dealing with this in life right now. See, when these interruptions happen into our lives, and they happen to us, we usually chalk them up to say, we're just full of bad luck. Well, that was just bad luck. I, I'm always, ha bad luck is always follows me around. Or it's the world, this thing is the world is proclaiming right now, that was just karma. Karma is this idea that something bad's gonna happen to you because something bad you did in your past. Let me just tell you, church, karma's junk. There's no such thing, is it, as karma. So if you're walking through that, you're dealing with this maybe at work or at home or your family or friends, you feel like, man, I have this interruption, man. This is just bothering me. It's frustrating me. Let me encourage you by continuing to read. Look at verse 20. Says, but after he considered this, after Joseph considered divorcing her and walking away from Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Let's just stop there again. I love... I love how sometimes when, when things don't make sense in our lives, when things like we don't understand what's taking place, God steps in and for listening, he brings clarity. Because here's the thing. Many times what we call an interruptions in life are really interventions in life. What if... What if what we call worldly interruptions are really divinely interventions? God stepping in on purpose for a purpose. So we look at it as an interruption. We don't look at it as a divine intervention. We look at it and step in this idea like, because each, within each and one of us, this is the innate desire to know and to have purpose. We want to know the purpose of the hurt. We want to know the purpose of the loss. We have this, what is the purpose of my life? Because we long for clarity. We long and desire understanding. And so when the unexpected happens, that seems like an interruption in our lives, and we don't have the answers, or we don't have a heavenly perspective We see them and we live them as moments of interruptions. And we might have missed what God might want to be doing in our lives. Friends, I need to share with you as I read through this book over and over again, I always come back to this idea that God is for us. That God is for us. And as I look at Christmas and I'm trying to understand what Christmas is, Christmas is God publicly and purposely displaying it out for our lives. And that day, 2,000 years ago, was a heavenly intervention for mankind, for his creation, that would impact the lives of billions upon billions of people for generations and even generations to come. Let's walk through this logically for a moment. Let's just think through this together. How many times have we had something happen to us that derailed our plans? We wanted to go do this. We planned to do this. And how many times have we just things just gone wrong? We look like, I can't believe it didn't go that way. But at the end of the day, months later, maybe a year later, we turned around and we looked back and we saw God, how God had his hand in it. How many times? Show me if you had experiences in your life. Right. Because every single one of us have. We walk this walk with Jesus and we're thinking, okay, I'm going to go here and do this. And like something happens, we didn't expect it. We didn't want it to happen. We looked at it as a frustration, something we had to work through. But at the end of the day, we turn around and we see what God was doing. He was protecting us. He was leading us. It wasn't bad luck. It wasn't an interruption. It was God stepping in our lives on purpose, for a purpose. I've heard countless stories over the years of just that. When someone will come up to me and say, Rich, you don't understand what just happened to me the other day. I was on my way to work and I realized I forgot my glasses and I can't see a thing without my glasses. So I had to turn around and go home and I was so frustrated because I was going to be late for work. But only to come back and realize that if I had not gone home, I would have been right in the middle of that 10-car pileup. Come on. And that's just one instance. I wanted to go do this, but this happened. I look back and, oh my word. Over and over, God continues to step in 
on purpose for a purpose. So maybe we're looking at life, we're looking back in our own lives, maybe that wayward child is a divine intervention to bring you and your entire family to Jesus or back to Jesus. Maybe the conflict in your marriage is purposely put to illustrate the power of God's love and forgiveness in your marriage. That your marriage was meant to thrive, not just survive. Maybe losing the job was just simply a wake-up call to show you what you've been missing at home, that you've been pressing in the wrong priorities in life, and you're thinking it's about money and possessions. You go, 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 but you have a wife or a husband and children that you're supposed to be investing in. And God used this as you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me, only to bring you back where you belong first. See, so many times things happen to us and we don't see what God is doing. We want to fight against it. We all have these moments. Every single one of us. That's because too often we live as if life is a series of random events, not divine purpose. But again, as I come back to his word of God speaking to his people, everything God does is done with purpose. We just have to train our heart and our eyes to see it. So instead of sitting in, in the why, why this happened to me, why God, why, 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 we turn it to the what. To understand it's not by an eruption, it's not a bad luck, it's not karma, but God, you are doing something, you're working in my life for a purpose. What am I supposed to see? What am I supposed to be learning? What are you protecting me from? God's purpose, he is purposeful in everything that he does. If we, church, if we can believe in an all-powerful God who holds our eternity in his hands, how come we can't believe in an all-purposeful God? That is his best life in front of us, planned out for each of us. And by the way, that best life starts with relationships surrendered to Jesus Christ. This baby being born to this Jewish couple, the how and the why Jesus came was complete purpose too. Think about this, the king of kings came and rested in a lowly, dirty, dirty animal trough. Like, I'm not a farmer. I've, never, I've been on a couple farms. I'm really, I've been around barn animals. Could you, could you just imagine what it was like to have all those animals around you? Could you imagine how bad it smelled? And the stuff that would have been in that feeding trough and all around them. And here is Jesus coming and laying in a manger. Why he came. What he's going to do. Was completely done on purpose too. See, Jesus didn't come with all the fame and the fortune and of all this stuff with pomp and circumstances as our world defines greatness and having all the grandeur. He came as a servant to give his life as a ransom for many. He came in a manger to display how he was going to live humbly before the people he loved the most. Trust me, he came with all his majesty. He came with all his authority. 
I mean, Jesus is the high king of heaven. But he came in a way, purposely, purposely, clearly, to show and illustrate what his love was going to do. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this in the message in Micah 5. It says in verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter, from you will come the leader who will be a shepherd rule of Israel. He will be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. Jesus Christ came in the low of lows, even though he is the highest of highs. And so as we look back and we see Joseph standing there thinking maybe the random and the unintentional hit his life and derailed his life, a huge interruption. We now see that God was setting the stage at Christmas for an act of absolute love that would take place 33 years later. And that's the purpose of Christmas. This baby was an interruption to their lives. God sent him on purpose for a purpose, to save humanity from their sin. He had a divine purpose that would change lives for all eternity. Even down to his name. He says, you will give him the name Jesus. Jesus derived from the Hebrew word, word Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. Come on. And if you're in this room, you're here today, you're watching online. And if you said yes to Jesus, you have surrendered your life to him. You know exactly what I'm talking about, that Jesus saves. That is why you are here. That is why you're celebrating. That is why you're rejoicing. That's why you're singing. Because the truth of Jesus was revealed to you. And you surrender your life to the one who was born to save you. God was fulfilling his promise. God was bringing the Prince of Peace. It was personal. It was relational. It was purposeful. So he came in purpose. Look at verse 22. It says, and all this took place. He came to save the people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God was with us. Personal, relational, he loves us, has done for us. God is for you and for me. He loves you, you and you. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, intentionally so that we would have a way back to him. And when you accept him, you surrender to him, (laughs) he's with you, in you, God with us. When God's purpose was revealed, you have to see how they responded. Here we are, two young folk getting ready to be married bliss and have the rest of life forever and ever, ever, amen. And all of a sudden, this happens, and God reveals the purpose 
for this pregnancy. You gotta see how they respond. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, the angel came to him in a dream. When he woke up, the angel of the Lord had commanded, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. He took Mary as his wife. Okay, everything was revealed. Right, God revealed the purpose. It's not an interruption. It's a divine intervention for humanity's purpose. And Joseph said, I am in. And he took Mary home to be his wife. I will obey and I'll do it for God's glory. If you were to flip over to Luke chapter one, verse 38, you would see Mary's response. Look at verse 38 on the screen. It says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. This is who I am. I am your servant. Let it be done just as you have said. Because I'm understanding it's not an eruption. It's an intervention for a purpose. She didn't fight it. She didn't ignore it. She didn't just walk away. Even if it wasn't her plans, she understood what God was doing. She even stopped and sang a song. You need to see this. Now, I just want to be clear here. I'm not going to sing it, okay? All right, I'm not going to sing it. Don't think that I'm going to like stand up here, grab a microphone and sing because I want to stay friends with you and I want you to all come back next week, all right? So I'm not going to be singing it. I'm just going to read these verses. Look what it says. My soul glorifies the Lord in verse 46 and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now on all generations will call me blessed. For the, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And even goes on from there. Things were revealed to her. She understood what was happening, what God was doing in her, through her, for her. And she rejoiced. She didn't shake her head. She didn't say, I quit. She said, I don't want any of what you're doing. She's rejoiced. She knew she was blessed. So let me ask, how would you respond? How would you respond if you were Mary, this young lady, humble girl, but favored by God? How would you respond if you were Joseph, a young man who followed God's law? How would you respond? So let me just challenge us, church. Let's put ourselves in their shoes. Let's just step back and put ourselves in their shoes. Reflect on this moment, what they're walking through in their lives. Let's think about how incredible, maybe even overwhelming it was for them to discover the extent of their God-given purpose in life. And then once we do that, Let's let that truth wash over our own lives. See, it's important for us to realize that he doesn't have a purpose for Joseph and Mary. God has a divine purpose for every single one of us in this room. Just as he he chose them and he entrusted them with great plans, he also can choose you and entrust you with something miraculous too. And that miraculous thing is the truth and the purpose of his son. If we were to go back and look at both accounts, the angel said that both of them, do not be afraid or do not fear. Why? 
because he wanted them to understand what they're going to walk through, what they're going to be through. They weren't alone, that he was going to be with them. And what they were dealing with was done for a purpose. And maybe, just maybe, he's saying that to you this morning. Do not be afraid. What you're thinking is an eruption. What frustrates you, what is hurting you, what's breaking you, what's confusing you. If you lean into me, I'll lead you through it. You're not alone. I love you. You are my creation. I sent my son for you. This little baby is going to grow up and sacrifice his everything and a brood of death on a cross and defeat death for you. Do not be afraid. What I'm doing, though it may hurt, is on purpose. Man, when that's our heart, when we hear God speaking to us that way, how can we not be overwhelmed with his love? So maybe a better question is not how would you respond, but how will you respond? How will you respond this Christmas? How will you respond today? Not next year, not tomorrow, today. See, if you never accepted Jesus, will you let his love wash over you and surrender your life to the one who gave his everything so you could be with him? That's a personal decision. You surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, making the Lord of your life. If you're in this room or watching or listening online and you've done that, no matter what comes in your way, no matter what you think is an eruption, whatever, whatever you get, just get punched back in life, will you still stand and sing his praises? Will you still stand and say, I am blessed because I know God is working in my life. He loves me. There's a purpose for this and I'm leaning in. I'm not going to ask why. I'm going to ask what. And when you take that moment, when you realize what God is doing and just live it out for his glory and then go tell someone else about him. Because if he loves you that much, I guarantee he loves the person you hate the most. God is a God of purpose. Christmas is a story of purpose. The question you have to figure it out is will you let that purpose be lived out in your life? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you and we worship you. Lord, I I can't imagine being that young couple and walking what they've walked through. But I can't imagine in my own life where things didn't go the way that I wanted or the way that I had planned. 
and how there's just so many times in my life that I've been frustrated. I wanted to go this way. I want this decision. I want this to be planned out. And you stepped in and you simply just told me I was wrong. (laughs) I am so thankful that you are a God of purpose that my life and the life of all my friends and all my family who are here with me today is not moments of randomness, but divine intervention leading us. So God, I pray for today that we'll live open-handed, we'll listen to you. We're stepping in and listening to you. Will you show us? Will you allow us to grab a hold of some of your your love? And if you're in this room, will you surrender to it? God, we sing your praises today because your son, Jesus Christ, is the high king of heaven. And because of him, we are truly blessed. And it's his name I pray.